Hi there, are you fed up with your wine belly? Embarrassed about your booze boobs? Sick of waking up with a hangover? And tired of never reaching your potential? Welcome to Sober Sassy Life, the podcast for women who are looking for more out of life than the evening rendezvous with the Chardonnay. Let's banish the wine witch for good. Here's your host, Jackie Elliott. and welcome to today's podcast. I wanted to talk about AA today because the question of whether to go to AA or not pops up frequently in sober cyberspace and I try to remain fairly neutral. I've not been and my position is this, do what works. AA's work for millions of people and for others it doesn't and there's lots and lots of literature about all kinds of recovery systems and each one of us need to find what works for us, what fulfills our needs. One aspect of AA that does attract me is the concept of addicts helping addicts. And that certainly plays out in sober cyberspace and online recovery and with sober blogs. But one aspect that hasn't ever really resonated with me is the idea of being in recovery forever. It sounds like such a dull drudge such a battle and I prefer to think of my sober life as a gift as something to embrace but in recent weeks I'm really starting to think that Bill Wilson may have been onto something Uh, I read Jason Vale's book how to quit drinking easily and lots of you have I know and I found some of it really useful and I totally recommend anyone who is starting off on their sober journey to read it because much of it, if you let it, will change your your attitude towards alcohol. And that for me, when I was starting out was, was gold. But I do have to say that he was pretty scathing about AA. And it's only now, and having been through a sober process so far, if you like, that I can start to unpack all the language and I finally get a lot of what AA is talking about. And some of the steps do make total sense. Step one, of course we have to admit that we are powerless over alcohol and anyone who's been through the continuous hellish loop of trying to moderate knows that we are indeed powerless against alcohol, powerless to control it. But other steps have started to make sense to me as well. Uh, making a searching and fearless uh, moral inventory of ourselves. I mean, when we do that here in cyberspace through our sober blogs, and each one of us have read raw and honest and emotional accounts of drinking, of failing, of wrongdoing, and that in itself, just writing it all down and getting out there is, is healing. And whether you do that via a sober blog or sat in a meeting, it makes total sense that that's a process that we have to go through. But then it all starts to get a bit hard. And steps eight and nine talk about being willing to make amends to everyone that we have harmed and where possible, where it wouldn't hurt the other person to actually do it. And that right there literally scares the crap out of me. And it's probably the real reason, even though I talk about the language and all that kind of thing, this is probably the real reason why I continue to avoid AA. And I came to that conclusion recently. The father of a close friend of my husband recently died. 
And in his younger days, he was what is referred to in these parts as a heavy partier. So translated, that means that he basically drank his face off. Uh, now, I live in a rural area with lots of pubs. And about 40 years ago, lots of the roads were gravel. And there were few driving laws and pretty much no one to enforce them. So driving while hammered was not uncommon. And my late father-in-law, for example, managed to rack up about 20 impaired charges and never lost his license. But for some bizarre reason, it was also common to pile your kids into the back of the car, drive to the pub, leave the kids there in the car, drink yourself stupid for hours on end, and then drive home again. So my father-in-law did this to my husband and his siblings, and our friend's father did too. And this practice of having your kids with you when you went to the pub and leaving them in the car was referred to as car camping. And if you say car camping to many people in our community, they know exactly what you are talking about. Now, some of you will be completely horrified by this, and so was I. But if you're a drinker, on some level you do get how this happens. And only someone who has been a drinker can explain how you may have the best of intentions just to have a couple of drinks and only keep the kids waiting for 30 minutes and for that to somehow morph into enough booze to take down a baby elephant and to find eight hours later the kids hungry needing to pee or worse not needing to pee so yeah for these people who are horrified for this happen for this could happen i i understand why you are and i but i look back and know that my brain on alcohol went into this realm of magical thinking and that, yeah, of course I can drink three large glasses of wine, drive 30 miles in 10 minutes and arrive at the meeting on time, ready to complete the deal of a century. Of course we can do that. That's called magical drunk thinking, which leads to bizarre drunken behavior. And as ex-drinkers, we know exactly how that can happen. But for all the kids who are crammed into the cars for hours, um, having to pee where they were, not have anything to eat, and then having the trauma of being driven home by a drunk person, that surely would scar you for life. The trouble is, when you quit drinking, or at least when I did, I wanted to leave that person, that person who, who thought all those magical drunken thoughts and did all those stupid things, I wanted to leave that person behind. And in lots of ways, I did because I, I have changed. But the trouble is that everything I did and all the things that I said during that magical drunken thinking time still remain for all the people who were on the receiving end. I can't go back and undo mean comments that I made or, or undo any of my bad behavior at parties or even sort of fully delete mean status updates on Facebook. So for all the pe people that experienced drunk Jackie, it all still happened. And no matter how hard I try to disassociate myself from that person or explain any of what happened to someone who was never drinking in the way that I did, it's, it, it won't happen. Only a drunk really gets another drunk. So for our friend, his father eventually quit drinking and became an awesome person. Yet the childhood resentment for our friend still remained. And it wasn't till very shortly before he died that 
acknowledgements of wrongdoing and apologies were made, forgivenesses occurred and old wounds could start to heal. But what a waste! All of those years of not acknowledging that the car camping and the other stuff and the drunken driving, not apologising for that, overshadowed all of those great years, all of the good work that that man had done to turn his life around. And I say again, only someone who's been through the process can really comprehend all of that hard work. So I'm starting to understand the steps. Within our own sober circles, within this space here, sober cyberspace, we all understand each other. We know how hard it is. We know how devastating it is when one of us relapses, but we know how it happens and we know how to support each other and we cheer each other along and we can see what an amazing transformation that all of us are making. But for all of those people outside of addiction and recovery, they may see the transformation, but they still don't really understand what we've been through and they still live with the bad behaviours that occurred. And for them and for us, it's sometimes just not enough to go through this process to heal and for change. It is necessary to ask forgiveness because otherwise you end up like our friend and his father Although our friend really appreciated all those years and his father had given up drinking, there was still all that underlying resentment that was never resolved because his father never went back and said, you know what, when I was drinking, I was a real jerk and I screwed up your childhood and I'm really sorry about that and I'd like to tell you why and make amends to you. And if he'd done that right at the beginning, then what a difference those last sober years of his life would have made. So for the 50th birthday party that I didn't get to because I drank too much to drive and for the scene I created at a Christmas get together and for the unnecessary mean argument that I instigated that poured a huge amount of fuel on a family feud, it's easy to say that I'm sorry about it and to talk about it to everyone here but it's really a lot harder to do that to all the people who really need to hear it. But to embrace sobriety completely, I do believe now that it's necessary to do steps eight and nine of AA's much maligned 12 step program. So I'd be happy to hear your thoughts. And if you are listening to my ramblings on a regular basis, especially through iTunes, I would be ever so grateful for a review if you have a second just to get some feedback so thanks so much for listening today and i'll talk to you again tomorrow bye for now